from his studios in New York. It's time for Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora, where sports meets life. Here's your host, Dan Tortora. Welcome here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on WakeUpCallDT.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on MixLR.com backslash WakeUpCallDT. Hope you're having a great morning and enjoying your Tuesday, April the 3rd. I can't believe it's April already. Pretty crazy, pretty exciting, pretty interesting, pretty, I, I mean, it's, I thought it was February, you know? It's like it was February, I woke up, here we are, it's April. It's still cold outside, but the weather was beautiful yesterday in Syracuse. I don't know about everybody else, but in central New York, it was 50-something degrees outside, the sun was shining, blue skies, very, 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 very wonderful day. So, I hope you enjoyed the day, I hope you went outside and did something fun. I was driving around all over the place, so I was enjoying it with the, with the windows down and having a good time, so... I hope you had a great day. I hope today turns out to be beautiful. We'll see. It's a, it's a little bit cloudy, but you know what? When you wake up, you're alive. You got the day to enjoy. Then it doesn't matter if it's clouds, sun, or whatever. You enjoy what you got. You celebrate what you got, and you make the most of what you got. So hopefully you're out there doing that today. I want to thank everybody for listening into the show every Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time right here on MixLR.com backslash DT. If you haven't become a member, the time to do so is today. Make sure you become a member on WakeUpCallDT.com as well as on MixLR.com backslash DT. We started off the show with some Great interviews this week. Had a great opportunity to speak with Hal Cohen. Want to thank Hal for being a part of the show, Syracuse Orange men's basketball alum. I also want to give a special shout out and a special thank you to Ace Moore, Austin Morris for being a part of the show and the overwhelming amount of support that he got. The Philadelphia Soul reposting our interview, and that's the team that called him up. So hopefully that's some. Good signs for Austin Morris as well that the team is kind of keeping tabs and seeing what he's doing and where he's going. So hopefully that'll help him out in the future. We made a big announcement yesterday and the video is over 240 views on Facebook alone. So thank you for your support of watching the videos that we post. Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora is now available on all of these venues. It's on MixLR where you're listening right now from Monday through Friday, weekly, 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time. These are the live episodes. If you ever want to hear a live stream, live episode before it goes to archive, you listen where you're listening now. MixLR.com backslash DT. And then the broadcast archive of five-plus years of shows can be found on Podbean, wakeupcalldt.podbean, P-O-D-B-E-A-N.com. You can also download the Podbean podcast app and search for Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora. You can go on iTunes and search for Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora in podcasts. And then new additions on top of that, Player FM has added Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora. Player FM basically goes around, finds a bunch of podcasts, and will put them together, put them all in one place, 
so it's easy listening for everybody. So they'll go search for podcasts that are on different venues and the ones that they think are good and that they want to add to their library, they put in. So Player FM just added us themselves. I want to thank them for that. And then Tune In Radio. If you go to Wake Up Call, if you go to Tune In Radio, go to the app and search Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora, you will find me there as well. So MixLR, Podbean, Directly, the Podbean Podcast app, iTunes, Player FM, TuneIn Radio, and, of course, on WakeUpCallDT.com, the hub for everything WakeUpCall-related. So, WakeUpCallDT.com. So, I mean, this this is just, I mean, it's a wonderful... I don't have words. <laughs> it's a, it's a it's a wonderful opportunity. It's a blessing. It is a privilege. And I want to thank Podbean. I want to thank iTunes. I want to thank TuneIn. I want to thank Player FM. I want to thank MixLR. I want to thank Webs for my website wakeupcalldt.com and just all the work that you have all put together and just what you have done. It means the world to me that that, you know, the just just you know, all the venues that we have to get out to people, it really does mean a lot. It warms my heart, and it means a lot to me that, you know, when someone's like, hey, how do I listen to your show? I'm like, do you have a pen? Because there's a few different <laughs> opportunities and ways to listen. So basically, you know, there's more and more opportunities as the years go by to listen into the broadcast, and I feel very, very privileged and honored to be sitting in the seat I'm sitting in and speaking on the mic I'm speaking into to you wonderful people out there that have found the show and you know you just look for it you find it and now it's easier and easier and easier to find so thank you to to all of my people that went out there and just looked and looked and looked and and did all you could to find the show and connect with the show and you know tried internet streaming for the first time tried podbean for the first time or gone to itunes podcast for the first time whatever it may be you know to be on TuneIn radio and player fm and and all of this now is is a true blessing. I feel very thankful to God, and I, I thank you for your support. I really do. So much appreciation to you all this morning and every morning for supporting the show and for connecting with me. So big ups and big thanks to you. You can also find the show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Wake Up Call DT on Facebook, at Call DT on Twitter, and at Wake Up Call. Pardon me, wake up call underscore DT on Instagram. So make sure that you do that. We got a lot to talk about in this morning's show. We have two huge interviews that are coming up. So let's get into the morning menu. Here on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora, Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time, we like to start off the show by giving you our menu of topics. The morning menu, that is, live now with the morning menu is Dan Tortora. The morning menu right here on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora for today, Tuesday, April 3rd, 2018. We are going to have, in just a little while, around 9.30 a.m. Eastern Time, Buddy Bayheim will join the show. If that name sounds familiar, it's because it is. He is the son of Jim Bayheim. He is the second oldest son of JB, and Jimmy Bayheim is playing at Cornell. He'll be going into his sophomore season in 2018-19, and in 2018-19, Buddy Bayheim will be going into his true freshman season with his father at Syracuse as one of the team's shooting guards coming into the season. If Tyus Battle stays, 
then they will have some depth at shooting guard. So, Buddy Bayheim is going to be joining me in just a little bit. 2018 verbal commit to Syracuse basketball. We're going to discuss everything under the sun. We're going to talk about his future teammates and their run to the Sweet 16, what he saw about that, what he thought about that, what he took away from this year's team, what he takes away from some words about O'Shea Brissett for the future, as well as if he thinks Tyus Battle will be around, and so much more, including his thoughts on Darius Baisley, who was supposed to come in with him in the 2018 class and decided instead to go pro and go to the NBA G League. So that's all coming up in just a little bit, hanging out here with Buddy Bayheim in just a few moments. So I'm very excited for that opportunity to do that in just a little bit here. And then after Buddy Bayheim, I will be joined live by Alan Griffin, assistant coach of the Syracuse Orange. He's coming off of his first season back at Syracuse after spending some time as an assistant coach in Dayton. So he will be joining me and spending some time with me around 10.15 a.m. Eastern time this morning. We're going to be discussing everything, including you know what he thinks about players being able to go pro by going overseas or by going to the G League and playing there for a season and then moving forward, not having to come to college anymore. Just what his take is on that, what his thoughts are on that since Syracuse got affected by that and he was the recruiter of Darius Baisley. So we'll discuss what we can about that. You have to be careful about naming commits and whatnot because the NCAA has crazy rules where you can't talk about a player until the player is signed. So we will navigate those waters and discuss maybe the broad scope of of players that leave and, and don't go to college and go straight to from prep school to the G League or high school to the G League or overseas like the like LeVar Ball's family's been doing lately. So we'll discuss that in just a little bit with Alan Griffin. We'll also talk about the season, what he took away from the team, the team's run, what they did against Duke, and despite the loss in the Sweet 16, just what he can say about the success of the team this year. And then we'll also probably dive into the rest of the tournament and talk about Villanova and Jay Wright a little bit. So Alan Griffin will be joining me at 10.15 a.m. Eastern Time. And then we'll wrap up today's show with Ingredients to Success, as we always do on a Tuesday. And that is brought to you proudly by Utica Pizza Company. Utica Pizza and I come together for you every Tuesday to give you the ingredients to success. And we'll discuss what those are. We'll rope it around Villanova as well as as, as uh, the Villanova-Michigan game, Villanova's national championship and their second championship in three years. So that is all going to be coming up here in the morning menu this morning. So plenty of basketball for you. And with plenty of basketball going on, I thought it was only fair to do something else to start things off here. So let's take a look at some things that are going on. And that will be, you know, I, I want to start the conversation off with what's going on here with the Patriots. And, you know, the whole, you know, Josh McDaniels, and he's going to be the head coach of the Colts, and he's leaving, and he's not going to be there anymore, and yada, 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 yada. And then Rob Gronkowski's going to retire, and he has friction with Bill Belichick, and they don't like each other, and they're having issues, and blah, 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 blah. And he'll be back. Because that's what happens. That's what happens with the Patriots. They say this, they say that. I think it's fabricated fake news, to be completely honest with you. I do think it's fake news because it's like, oh, Bill Belichick's fighting with Bob Kraft and <clears throat> Bob Kraft is fighting with Tom Brady and 
you know, they like each other, but they don't. And Rob Gronkowski is going to leave to become a movie star. And what are they going to do when Josh McDaniels leaves the team? And none of it ends up happening. You know, Danny Amendola, he's with the Dolphins now. I mean, he did leave. And there's some other guys that have left the team. But it's, I mean, to me, it's it's just, it is. It's ridiculous. It's stupid. It's fake news. You know, everybody, oh, is Rob Gronkowski going to come back? How are they going to replace Rob Gronkowski? They probably won't have to. They probably won't have to. How are they ever going to replace Josh McDaniels? They don't have to. And, you know, to me, it's it, they, they toy with other people, and it's ridiculous, and it's stupid. It's like a baby that's just whining so that somebody will pay attention to them. They're a good team. They play very well. They don't need anything else. They don't need anybody else being like, oh, my God, you're this, oh, my God. They don't need any of that. They don't need any of this publicity. And this, like I said, what I'm calling fake news, they don't need it. They don't require it. So why go after it? I don't understand. I really don't. Because people are already paying attention to you. They already know you're a good team. So why do you have to go around and be like, oh, you know, we have some inner turmoil. Really? You do? You went to the Super Bowl. Oh, you know, we don't know if everybody, like, really cares about the team and is 100% in and yada, yada, yada. It's like, really? Because they seem like they are. But, you know, this is the Patriots. This is how they are. This is how they roll. And yeah, it's annoying. And yeah, you know, people are people are sick and tired of it because it seems to just, you know, every single year it's like, oh, what are we going to do? Tom Brady has an injured thumb. Will he be able to play? Can he throw the ball? You know, we should really just be very concerned about Tom Brady's health. And then he goes out and he looks totally fine and the zip on the ball looks better than ever. So, I mean, you know, to start off the show this morning, I'm really, I'm sick of hearing about Patriots this and Patriots that. They're a hell of a good team. They do a lot of great things out there on the field. They win Super Bowls constantly. They advance to Super Bowls constantly. So why all the turmoil? Why all this, like, fake blah, blah, blah? Oh, you know, they, we, you know, Bob Kraft and, 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 and Bill Belichick, they got a little issue. And they didn't agree on Jimmy Garoppolo. And Tom Brady's not going to live forever, but he wants to play until he's 45. But now they don't have a bad backup plan and you know Rob Gronkowski as soon as the Super Bowl ends it was like are you gonna keep playing and he's like I don't know and then it turned into a movie career conversation to me it's just it is it's BS do I think Rob Gronkowski is going to be on the team this year yes do I think that Josh McDaniels is going to be there for 107 more years probably so stop talking about it stop telling us that there's turmoil and that there's issues and that people can't figure it out and they don't know if they can work in the same room together. Because it's BS. And I don't want to hear it anymore. I don't think here... Anybody with a brain should not sit here right now and be like, Do you really think that the, that the Patriots are having some inner trouble? Do you think it'll affect them on the field? No, I don't. Because I don't think they're having any trouble. I don't think they're having any issue whatsoever. So I don't want to hear about it anymore. Because it's not real. It's not real to me. And it's as simple as that. It's as simple as that. Now, I do want to take a look at the draft really quick here and kind of let you know, take a look through the 32 NFL teams and let you know where people are at. The Arizona Cardinals have a pick in every single round this year, including two in the third round. Atlanta has a pick in the first four, none in the fifth, and two in the seventh, one in the sixth round. 
Baltimore has one in every single round, two in the sixth. Buffalo has two in the first round, a 12th pick and a 22nd pick. Then they have two picks in the second round, three picks in the third round, a fourth, a fifth, and a sixth. So Buffalo, if they draft right and they're smart about this, they can make some hay in this draft and get some guys that are going to help turn this team in the better in a better, more positive direction. I know they made the playoffs last year, but even heighten that from here. Two first rounds, two second rounds, two third round picks. And then Carolina, Carolina has a first round, a second, two thirds, no fourth, a fifth, sixth, and two sevenths. Chicago has a first and a second, none in the third, two in the fourth, and then five, six, seven. Cincinnati's got plenty. One in the first, one in the second, two in the third, one in the fourth, three in the fifth round, and three in the seventh round. Cleveland, with all the wheeling and dealing they've been doing, they still have two in the first, three in the second, one in the fourth, one in the fifth, two in the sixth. Cleveland, with all the deals they've made, with Carlos Hyde and Tyrod Taylor and Jarvis Landry and company, have two picks in the first round, first and fourth overall. Three in the second round, one in the fourth, one in the fifth, two in the sixth. Think about that. They have five picks in the first two rounds. Dare I say that Cleveland is smart and maybe one of the smartest teams heading into the draft with the moves that they've made, the vets that they've gotten, and the overwhelming amount of draft picks, especially early ones that they have. Dallas has a first round, a second round, a third round, two in the fourth, one in the fifth, three in the sixth, and one in the seventh. So if Dallas can get smart in that sixth round, that Tom Brady area, they could get some help, some much-needed help. I'm not saying quarterback. I'm just saying the sixth round is a good round if you're smart. Every round is a good round if you're smart. Denver, first, second, two in the third, two in the fourth, two in the fifth. That's it. So they will not be in the sixth and the seventh. Detroit doesn't have many. They have one in each round except for the sixth. Simple as that. Green Bay has... A lot of picks this year. First, second, third, fourth. They have two in the fourth. Three in the fifth. Two in the sixth. Two in the seventh. So they got to get smart later on here. They got one, two, and three. So bolster up your offensive line. You know, maybe look for a wide receiver. And then look at defensively for a linebacker and whatnot. Maybe secondary. Maybe some guys up front. And then start at, you know, fourth, fifth, sixth. Look for that depth in the seventh round as well. Houston doesn't have any in the first or any in the second. First team I've mentioned that have no first or second round picks. They have three in the third, fourth, two, uh, three in the sixth, pardon me, and one in the seventh. Indianapolis has a first, three in the second, one in the third, fourth, fifth, sixth, and seventh. So three in the second round. In the second round, they have the fourth pick of the second round, fifth of the second round, and 17th. So Indy got their way to back-to-back picks in the early part of the second round. Not too shabby. Jacksonville, they don't have many. You know that they went out and spent a lot of money last year and the last couple years got some vets and brought them in. They have a first, second, third, fourth, one in the sixth, two in the seventh. So Jacksonville has to be very, very smart. And for all of those that are like, oh, Jacksonville, like when are they drafting? Sixth, fourth, third? Because that's what people are used to. The Jaguars are drafting 29th. They have the fourth to last pick in the first round. They have the 29th out of 32 picks because Jacksonville was damn good this year. Kansas City 
does not have one in the first round. They have a second, two in the third, two in the fourth, a sixth, and two in the seventh. Got to be smart with this. They already have their quarterback of the future. They already have some speedy players and skilled players at running back and wide receiver. So I would venture to say that might, they should look at defense first and foremost in the second round. The Chargers of L.A. have first, second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, and seventh. They have one in each round. Simple as that. The L.A. Rams have one in the first, none in the second, a third round, two fourths, th- four, six, or pardon me, five, six round picks. They will pick in the sixth round, the second pick of the sixth round, the ninth, and then the 20th, the 21st, and the 24th. So in the 20s of the sixth round, they will have three picks in a group of five. So with five, so five, the the five, five pick region of the sixth round from twenty to twenty four, they will have three of those five picks. So they're going to have to be smart as time goes by. Five picks in the sixth round, including three in a row of five. Nothing in the second round. They do have a first though. Miami will have one, two, three, two in the fourth, a sixth round, and two in the seventh round. Let's see what else we got here. Minnesota, who brought in Kirk Cousins as their future quarterback here, the guy that they're hoping will lead them back to almost the Super Bowl and then get one step further into the Super Bowl. That is their hope, their prayer, their dream. They got rid of every quarterback on their roster. They got rid of Sam Bradford, Teddy Bridgewater, and the guy that got him there, Case Keenum. And now they're starting all over with Kirk Cousins at quarterback and Trevor Simeon. They will have a first, second, third, no fourth, a fifth round, three sixth rounds, and a seventh round pick. The New England Patriots somehow, this see, this is the thing that makes no sense to me. The Patriots make it to the Super Bowl. They're really, really good. And somehow, some way, they're picking in the first round, two in the second, a third round, a fourth, a sixth, and a seventh. They, they got their way to the 11th pick of the second round and the 31st pick. So they have their own pick in the first and second and another one in between. They will pick three times in the first two rounds because they're the Patriots and somehow they find people that'll wheel and deal with them and give them good stuff. The New Orleans Saints, who kept Drew Brees, have a first round, no second, third, fourth, two fifth, two sixth, and a seventh round. You would like to think that New Orleans got a lot of talent. They have two good guys in the backfield right now that are a nice tandem. So in Elvin Kamara as well as Mark Ingram. So that is a workable commodity for them. They could get a wide receiver because they don't really have a dominant guy. And they have Drew Brees at quarterback. They could always use some help on defense. So look for New Orleans to probably spend one of that first or third round on an offensive player. And then hopefully the rest on defense because they need the help if you're a New Orleans fan. The Giants need help everywhere. And they don't have a lot of picks. First, second, two in the third a fourth round, and a fifth round. The good thing for them is they're picking early. They will pick in the first round, second overall, the second round, second, the third round, second, and also the third round in a trade, fifth. So the Giants will have plenty of picks in the first three rounds, and they will be early. So that is good for them. They need help everywhere. Offensive and defensive line, because if you don't have help in the trenches, you're not winning a championship. And they need help in the backfield. They need potential help at wide receiver. Uh, Their top three receivers all got injured last year, and there's thought that they're not going to keep everybody. So the Giants need help everywhere. And defensively, 
as well. I mean, they allow points and they allow people to run over them, but the Giants really, I mean, they struggle to score. They have to they have to go after the trenches. It's nice if they try and get, you know, Saquon Barkley, but what does that do for you if you have nobody blocking for him? So they're going to have to. They might not be sexy picks, as people tend to call them. Sexy, I don't understand it, but whatever. They might not be the most glamorous picks, but offensive and defensive linemen who get little to no respect are the ones that win you championships. And if the Giants want to win a game this coming season, they're going to have to go to the trenches. The Jets, not too much different here. They need help everywhere. The Jets, with all the moves that Cleveland's made in the offseason, are, in my opinion, the worst team in football as we stand here today. First round, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, and seventh. Nothing in the second round. They gave that up. They have third overall pick because they traded with the Colts, and they will have the eighth pick of the third round. So they're picking early in these rounds. But again, the Jets need help everywhere. The Jets have not figured out their quarterback situation. They think they know what they got, but they're not sure if they know what they got. They Running back, they've had issues. Wide receiver, They've been just regurgitating, just bringing guys back that used to be there. Defensively, they've been okay. It's not like people are going crazy on them points-wise, but the Jets need help everywhere. They look awful. And like I said, the Cleveland Browns are making positive moves. The Jets are on the clock, and I'm still waiting to see what they're going to do. They drafted Bryce Petty, didn't like him that much. Drafted Christian Hackenberg, didn't seem to like him at all. So here they are again, needing some help for the future. And hopefully for Jets fans out there, including Ross Turetsky, good friend of mine and sports writer that comes on the show here a bunch, I hope for you, buddy, (laughs) that they get it done in the draft. The Oakland Raiders have plenty of picks this year with John Gruden back on the sidelines. First round, second round, third, fourth, fifth, two in the fifth, pardon me, Four in the sixth round and one in the seventh round. You know that John Gruden's been doing his homework when he's been working at ESPN. Hopefully, he will make some good picks. He doesn't need to draft a quarterback, though, because he has Mr. Derek Carr. But he could shake things up. The Eagles coming off a Super Bowl, they got a lot of pieces that are still there, and they brought in some people. They don't need to worry too much about you know keeping things going and keeping things strong. They have Nick Foles, and they have Carson Wentz. They have a first-round pick, last, 32 of 32, two in the fourth, one in the fifth, sixth, and seventh. They just got to be smart and do what they need to do. But this team is coming back pretty much fully loaded, if not totally fully loaded by the time the season starts. The Steelers have one, two, three, two in the fifth, and two in the seventh round. The Steelers are a team that continues to be relevant. They have Le'Veon Bell, Antonio Brown, and Ben Roethlisberger, but they struggle to beat people, and their defense struggles to stop people. So that iron curtain, the steel curtain, so to speak, pardon me, it hasn't been there in a while, and they're going to have to make some moves to get it back there. I would see them going defensively early on. Safety, corner, something like that, and then maybe a linebacker in the second round. We'll see. Seattle, they have a first, none in the second, none in the third, fourth, four in the fifth, and then two in the seventh round. They need a lot of help. They have no running back, and they can't run the ball. They have not done it in a long time. They didn't do it in Marshawn Lynch's final season, and they haven't done it since. They need some help, so a good running back at 18th overall, that would be the pick for Seattle. But you're going to have to couple that with making sure that your line is stacked because I sound like a broken record, but it doesn't matter the skill players you have if your line can't 
protect and your line can't push forward. There are few players that can make a terrible line look good. Maurice Jones-Drew did it one year in Jacksonville with 1,600 yards. Barry Sanders did it damn near every year with Detroit, but it's very hard to do. Hence why I'm naming off, what, two decades, and I named two players. As far as San Francisco goes, they made a lot of great moves in free agency and in this in this nice little offseason for them. They got Jimmy G, and now they have a first, second, two-third, a fourth, fifth, sixth, and two in the seventh. Plenty of picks. Watch out, America, because San Francisco is about to get dangerous. Kyle Shanahan, if he picks correctly, coupled with what he has on, this, on the team right now, this team is going to be dangerous. And don't be surprised if they go after a running back early because they don't really have one that they trust in. and Well, that it looks like they trust in. Tampa Bay, first, second, none in the third, fourth, fifth, two in the sixth, and one in the seventh. Tampa Bay has made some good moves here in free agency, got some good acquisitions, got Jason Pierre-Paul from the Giants, and we'll look to see what Tampa's going to do. They got a bunch of skill players. They got some help. They got rid of Doug Martin, though. So if they're not going to give Jacquez Rogers the reins of being in the backfield, they're going to have to look at a running back and figure it out from there. I wouldn't think wide receivers or quarterback at this point. Defensively is where I think they're going to try and push here and maybe an offensive lineman in the second round. It's kind of, I don't see them doing it in the, in the first round. Tennessee, first, second, third, one in the fourth, one in the fifth, one in the sixth, so just nothing in the seventh. They're looking at their running back situation. They're also looking at potentially their defensive side of the ball. They made a lot of moves to bring some guys in. They brought in two former Patriots, so Tennessee's looking good. I don't think that they necessarily need their draft picks, but obviously you want to build depth, and Jacksonville's gotten better. The Colts are trying to get out of the basement, and a healthy Deshaun Watson makes Houston dangerous, so Tennessee is going to have to be very smart. But they made some scary moves to the rest of the AFC South in the offseason. And then finally, the Washington Redskins, they have a pick in every round except for the third. They have one in the first, second, fourth, two in the fifth, one in the sixth, and two in the seventh. The Washington Redskins, I don't know what their plan is. Alex Smith being your future quarterback when he's older than Kirk Cousins doesn't make a lot of sense to me. So we'll see where they go with that. Maybe draft a quarterback. They have some good running backs and receivers, some skill guys. So I think Washington needs to go defense, but Washington likes their flashy, speed guy, fast player type of thing. So I don't know how high they'll go on somebody. I think they need to go corner. They need to go safety. I think that they need to go offensive and defensive line, but we'll see if they actually listen to me. We'll take a step aside, speaking of listening to me, and we'll come back with Buddy Bayheim after this fast break. Buddy joins me to speak on Syracuse's season, his future teammates, what O'Shea Brissett said about helping the young guys coming in, as well as the departure of Darius Baisley in just a moment. This is a wake-up call, Fast Break. Carvel DeWitt, it's what happy tastes like. Do you know why? Because we make ice cream. Creamy, rich, flavorful ice cream. Not yogurt or ice milk like some of our competitors. Ice cream. Fresh, by hand, daily. For the calorie conscious, we have something new for you. Our new Carvelite. Same great flavor, creaminess, and texture of our regular ice cream with only 35 calories an ounce. So whether you want an ice cream cake, flying saucer, dasher, carvalanche, hard or soft ice cream, we will satisfy your craving with our fresh, handmade, regular, or new Carvelite ice cream. Carvel DeWitt. It's what happy tastes like. Clothing that will change with you without you having to change. 
drysiglady.com, D-R-E-I-S-S-I-G, lady.com, with the bamboo line, relaxed fit clothing, as well as the athletic fit clothing. Drysiglady.com is fit for any woman, any time of the day, anywhere. Whatever you're doing, whatever your day commands of you, command yourself to feel comfortable in Drysig Lady Apparel. D-R-E-I-S-S-I-G, lady.com. For all the women out there, feel good in what you're wearing. And don't feel like you have to constantly change throughout the day. Whether you're a stay-at-home mom, a business owner, going for a jog, going for a meeting, or just relaxing at home, drysiglady.com is the right fit for you. D-R-E-I-S-S-I-G, lady.com. This is Lawrence Papaleo, licensed real estate salesperson for Gilbo Realty. Call our home office at 315-752-9513. Or better yet, call or text me directly at 315-748-2524. Let me ask you a question, Lawrence. If I needed you to help me buy a house, find the right place, could you help me do that? Joe, I'll help you find your dream home. You don't ever say my name on the radio, never. If I needed to sell a house, could you help me go about that the right way? Yes, yes I can. How do they get a hold of you? Call me directly at 315-748-2524. But you also do the commercial property. So if I got a business, couple businesses, got to take one here, move it over there, do this, do that. Are you going to help me buy and sell my commercial property also? Yes, sir. I like that. I like that. What's my name again? I have no idea. Absolutely. But they need to know your name. So give it one more time. This is Lawrence Papaleo, licensed real estate salesperson for Gilbo Realty. My phone number is 315-748-2524. Why don't you tell him your name one more time and that number so we can jot it down. This is Lawrence Papaleo. Call me or text me directly at 315-748-2524. Welcome here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on wakeupcalldt.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on mixlr.com backslash Wake Up Call DT, proud to be here with you this morning and every Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time on MixLR.com backslash Wake Up Call DT. No stranger to the broadcast. He's been on plenty of times with us. Always appreciate when he spent some time to come back on here, and that is Buddy Bayheim, son of Syracuse head coach Jim Bayheim, brother of Jimmy, who's playing over at Cornell, and your incoming 2018 recruit for Syracuse as well. So, first and foremost, buddy, how you been? How are things? Uh, I'm doing well. Everything's doing well right now. How are you doing? I'm doing well. And, and buddy, I, I know that, you know, you've obviously grown up around the Syracuse basketball program. It's always been a part of your life. What can you say about this year's run and what the team accomplished this year? Uh, just, this was definitely a really special year and Definitely one of the years that stuck out more than most just because what this team went through, the obstacles they faced, and how they made the tournament last team in, and how they proved everyone wrong and beat one of the best three seeds probably ever to make the tournament, Michigan State. You know, they could have been a two or one seed even with four losses, but just seeing how they came together with six, seven guys and pull off that run was really inspiring, and motivate motivates me for next year there's no seniors on this team no no graduate students on the team so there is that continuation now Matt Moyers decided to leave and 
and Braden Bayer for his graduate year is going to move forward and try and get an opportunity. But outside of that, the guys that played the majority of the time are, are going to stay on the team. So it's kind of a, a bunch of different things to discuss. First and foremost, what can you say about Matt Moyer? Because it, I kind of felt like the writing was on the wall in the same respect. He's been a huge fan of Syracuse and a huge recruiter of Syracuse. What can you say about Matt Moyer deciding to move forward? Uh, you know, I love Matt. He's a great kid, and he was one of my. He was a close friend of mine when he, since he committed here. But uh, I think that's the best move for him is just to move on. You know, we have O'Shea and Merrick right now. We're both young in the same position as him, and probably more skilled right now. He just has to go to a school that fits him well, and where he can play twenty, twenty-five minutes and get up a good amount of shots because he's the type of kid that needs to get some shots up to get in a rhythm. You can't just take two or three. He's got to get up like eight or nine to get get in a rhythm, and then he can he can be a good player in the future, and I just wish him the best. And when you when you look at that, you know, kind of his situation and, and what he had gone through, I mean, it happens. There's guys that transfer all the time. It's it's kind of, you know, more rampant now than, than ever before. When, when Matt moves forward, just what you could say about – you know, what he brought to the program because, I mean, he constantly spoke with me about this team being his brothers, that he cared about these guys. He always spoke as part of the team and not a guy that's, you know, off by himself or anything like that. He 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 cared about family above most things, and, and I feel like that came through. Did you get a sense of that as well? Oh, yeah. Matt's definitely been a family, like a, like a brother to me and to the team. I could tell since the first day he committed and ever since then, he was just all Syracuse and very, he was very humble and he was also very caring for his teammates, his brothers and very unselfish and a kid you want on your team. And then as, as far as Braden Bayer speaking here with Buddy Bayheim, 2018 incoming freshman for Syracuse, Braden is somebody who was uh, he was a D three player. He played for the Albany City Rocks AAU team and moved forward from that. Went to D three after having a hip surgery, then became a Syracuse walk on, and then became a Syracuse scholarship player when Geno Thorpe left during the 2017-18 season. And then all of a sudden he's thrust into being on the court and. There for you know six minutes and thirty nine seconds left when Frank Howard goes out. Braden's involved in that rotation. What can you say about the Braden Bayer story and and just how much he helped the team at the most important time of the season? Uh, you know, Braden's a, a great player and someone that I like to watch and kind of model my game after in the sense that he works hard every day and just even before then he was helping the team in practice, just working hard and being a guy that the guys can go against and give them a tough matchup. And he's going to try to outwork everyone every time he's out there. And I wasn't surprised when he went out there and made some great plays on the defensive end, because that's what he's known for just hustling and getting out there and making plays. And he was, he was a major reason for why we came out that game with a win. When you see the team come together, like they did at the time that they did, I feel like Syracuse played their best basketball in the NCAA tournament in the play-in game as an 11 seed with Arizona State to TCU and Jamie Dixon again, and then on to Michigan State and Tom Izzo, and then even with Duke to lose by four and to get it down to one multiple times in the second half. Did you feel that way? Did you feel like your future teammates were playing their best brand of basketball at the most important time? 
Yes, for sure. Um, it definitely helps when you're playing these teams who have never seen the zone, really, or definitely haven't seen the Syracuse zone out of conference team. So when we got two, three days to prepare for it, so that definitely gives us an advantage. And also, you know, their defense was just on a different level this tournament, and the chemistry was there. And I think we could have beat just about any team. The country just got to – we should, we had Duke on the, on the ropes, but they pulled away. But I think we could have just about gave anyone a good team in the country. And when you look at that, you know, giving giving anybody a, a good game in, in, in this opportunity that the team had this season, there was the 40-minute men. Frank Howard had, you know, last season lost the starting job to John Gillen, wasn't really ever asked to be an offensive player in his first two years. He comes in this year, leadership, pushing himself, new number, new era, new chapter of his life, new book even, he told me going into the season. Tyus comes back as the only remaining scorer of the top five scorers from the season before with Lydon, Thompson, Gillen, and White all being gone. And then O'Shea Brissett comes in as a true freshman. Those are your 40-minute men. What can you say impressed you about that group of guys that just figured it out? I mean, Tyus had to step his game up in his second year. Frank had to become a whole new player to the team in in certain respects, he had to be so much more. And then O'Shea Brissett was like, hey, welcome to college basketball. You're playing 40 minutes as a freshman. Yeah, you know, it just shows a lot about them, how tough they are, and they will do whatever it takes to win. And, you know, they, they obviously want to be out there, and they don't want to come out. And it shows how much heart they have and how much they appreciate the game and the toughness they have it to, that it takes to play out there for 40 minutes because it's not easy playing against – the best competition in the country and they do it every night and just shows the heart that they have and they'll do whatever it takes for the team and how how selfish they're selfless they are to get a win speaking here with buddy Bayheim, 2018 incoming recruit for syracuse buddy this there's so many different things about the upcoming season the biggest one that i know people listening are saying you know when are we going to talk about this 2018-19, it's you, it's Jalen Carey, it's supposed to be Darius Baisley, it's Elijah Hughes who sat out for a year. Elijah can can be a jack of all trades and bounce around. We know that you could score, we know that you could shoot the ball, we know you could bring something to this team right away. We know that Jalen Carey's got a lot of respect coming in. Darius Baisley's been compared to Derek Coleman in the way he plays his game. And then all of a sudden, in the 11th hour, March Madness ended for Syracuse against Duke, but really didn't end because the March Madness continued all the way into March 29th. What can you say about the moment that you found out that Darius Baisley had decided to go against what his agreement with Syracuse and go straight to the NBA G League? Uh, I got a text from my coach here at Brewster. Uh, it was a link to Twitter that he was going to decommand, go to the G League again. I just really didn't know what to do at first. I just sat there kind of for a couple of minutes and just thought about what like what I was reading. Thought it was fake news at first. I couldn't really believe it because I've never seen something like that. But, you know, everything happens for a reason, I think. And this team is – people will probably count us out now, put us out of the top 25 if they want to do that. But this team, if you look at last year, we just got more pieces and – Obviously, that's going to hurt, but we have O'Shea Brissett coming back, who's going to be, I think, a first-round pick and going to be a great – he's going to have a great year for us and even better than last year. And You know, he's got to deal with that and come back come back stronger and just prove people wrong now. 
And, and when, when you see that, when you see that opportunity, you know, like you said with O'Shea Brissett, you know, he's going to come back, he's going to do great things and, and has the opportunity to be a high pick. What makes you believe, uh, and I'm not disagreeing with you in any stretch of the imagination, but from your perspective, what makes you believe so so much in O'Shea Brissett and see him in such a such a you know big spotlight, so to speak? Uh, I just think Clarence, after showing this year, you know, not many players have averaged 15 and almost 10 rebounds a game. A few freshmen at Syracuse, I know Carmelo is one of them. Derek Coleman and just the type of year he had and the potential he showed. If he if he can just get a cons- more consistent three-point shot, I think that, you know, this, there's no limit for him, and he can be a great player for us, and he just shows it every day. He's a great kid, hardworking kid, and very humble, and he's someone that I really look forward to playing with. O'Shea said something to me after the loss to Duke, and we were sitting in the locker room in Omaha, Nebraska, and, of course, everybody's – I shouldn't say everybody, but some people in the media are, you know, two minutes after the game, are you going, are you going, are you going? And I don't feel that that's any type of respect for the player or their teammates or or the run that they made as a family. So I'm not talking to Tyus about it, and I'm not talking to O'Shea about it, but I did bring up to O'Shea, you know, I said to him in the respect of, you know, look at the leadership of, you know, the guys on the team and what can you say about it? And he talked about Frank Howard and Tyus Battle and everything they taught him. And he kept saying repeatedly, I want to be that leadership next year. I want to, with these freshmen coming in, now I know what to do. Now I know how to get this. Now I know, you know, kind of if they have a question about something, I have an answer for it. I can be their leader. I can help them. I've gone through the trenches and now I can help them move forward. What does that mean to you? Because you're one of those incoming freshmen that he's saying, I know how to help you, and I'm excited to do that. You know, it means a lot just showing the success he had this year and all that he learned, especially being a guy playing 40 minutes a game. He knows a lot from this year, and he learned a ton. So just being able to learn from him and be alongside him, play with him and fight with him is something I really look forward to. And uh, he's just one of the guys I really look forward to going out there every night and competing and trying to get wins. And then as as far as Tyus Battle, you know, that's the, the other person that people, you know, are, are are terrified, especially after Darius Baisley, that he would go. I have a notion that that's not going to be the case. What can you say about, I mean, you're coming onto the team. I know that you're obviously hoping that, that he sticks around and that this team stays together that made the run that they made this year. What can you say about the Tyus Battle factor? Uh, you know, Tyus is obviously the heart of the team. We need him to score, do everything for us last year that he's shown. And I think that if he goes, obviously he's going to – I think he has a great future and could be a, a good NBA player. But I also think that if he stays, he'll he'll be able to – he probably will play 30, 35 minutes still, and he'll be shooting at a much more efficient rate than says shooting 30, 35% from the field. I think he could get it to 40, even 45%. And – you know, he'd also be have other options to look for, and I think we'd be he'd really be the key for us next year. And teams want double team him as much, so I think that that's also how you gotta look at it sometimes. And whatever he does, I, I'm gonna support him. And it's been, and he's someone I look up to, and someone I want to be like when I'm at Syracuse. What is it about Tyus when you say you know he's somebody I look I look up to and want to be like? What about him makes you say that? Uh, just being around him every day, working out with him every now and then, and seeing 
how hard he works and how disciplined he is. He doesn't he doesn't get too down, doesn't get too up. He's always just steady and hardworking, and he just shows how much heart he has. And very smart kid, smart player, and he cares about you know his teammates. And he's not over his head. He's humble, and he's just a great leader. You you said you know if he stays, I support him. If if he goes, I support him. Do you do you get any inkling of this? Because I, I know that you've been chomping at the bit to get out and play and you know, you had you had some prep school time in between here. So I know that, you know, for you, you want to get out there, you want this 2018-19 season to start already. So do you get any inkling of, of what what that team might look like? Do you feel like you might have that weapon with you? Uh yeah, I think I think there's a chance he comes back. I mean you never know once like we never, we've had things before, happen before where we didn't think that a guy would go and he went, and that's just how it have, how it works sometimes. So whatever happens after the combine, if he hears what he likes, and obviously he's gonna go, but you know you never know. He's just he's smart. He knows what he's doing. So I trust him. Whatever decision he makes, he's doing it for him. It's the best best option for him. So, but if he comes back, I feel like this team's gonna be really scary and a really good team and. I just can't wait to to get started and get working with them. And and we see with with this team, Howard Washington Jr. He he had been uh, obviously got injured this season, wasn't playing too much coming into it. So he's looking to rehab. Barama Sidibe did not play uh, the the entire season. He was he was dealing with <clears throat> injury, so he wasn't at a hundred percent. So when you when you look at that and look at kind of restoring some depth, the the hopeful plan is that. Frank and, and Howard are there. Elijah can bounce around. You're there with Tyus. And then we look outside of that and say, okay, Marek's going to be there, O'Shea, and then the two centers will be as well. And then you work in Jalen Carey. That's 10 guys. And there, there's there been this, you know, as soon as, as the information came out about Darius, of course there's people that, you know, the sky is falling always. And, and they say what they want to say. But, you know, you know your father. And your father typically does not go past seven or eight, and without Darius, there's there's still ten guys. So I don't really necessarily believe the sky is falling. Do you? No, not at all. Uh, I think that this is just going to fuel everyone, and it's going to make everyone want to work harder and come together and just prove everyone wrong. And you know, my I trust my dad. No matter how many players we have, like he showed this year, he's gonna. He's gonna work it out because he's just a great basketball, one of the best basketball coaches in the game, and I'm really excited for next year. And I think we're gonna gonna still show people that we're we're the team that everyone's talking about. And, and you know, I find it kind of crazy, buddy, that this team had five and a half guys. I say, you know, five and a half, six guys each night, so to speak, and they made it to the Sweet Sixteen. People want to count you out already three seconds after this season ended when you guys have 10 guys that would be playing on this team and, and all have an argument to get out there on the floor. It, does, it, does it surprise you that, you know, I almost feel like when Syracuse is counted out, that's when the best basketball is played by the Orange, but does it surprise you anymore that from season to season it's like, well, you know, they had five and a half guys. Now they're going to have ten, but they don't have this one guy, so it's not going to work out. I mean, when you hear the talking heads out there, do you just kind of shake your own head at this point and say, listen, no matter what we do, they're going to say something? Yeah, I mean, that's how it's always going to be in sports. If you're not the national championship at the end of the year, there's always going to be something you could have done better 
or there's something that you need to finish better. And there's always going to be that in, in the sports world. And I, we all get it. And it's just the fans wanted, wanted the best possible situation. And sometimes it doesn't work like that. And, you know, obviously they want, they want Darius to stay. So did all of us. And, you know, we were a little upset when that happened, but that's just something that you got to overcome and look at it as something to, to grow on. And, you know, we just got to show the fans that, and there's always going to be those fans that are, that are down like that, but you just can't be like that as a player. You can't let that get to you and just use that as motivation. And buddy, the, the special scenario for Darius Baisley, or for any player to do this, you know, the NBA has been toying around with different things. We know the one and done rule, but now with the NBA D league, that became the G League for Gatorade and is their developmental league. It, it used to be that you go and you try to get drafted, and whether you get drafted or not, you, you can work out in the G League and, and try and hone your skills and get a 10-day contract and then try to build on from there to get on a roster. But now it's it's kind of opposite town in the sense of you don't have to go to college anymore. You can go straight to the G League. You have to be 18 years old, and then in September you can you can uh, be eligible if you're 18 to sign on the dotted line. In October, the G League has their own draft. Then you go through all that. You could play for a year. Nobody owns your rights, and then the following year you can go into the NBA draft and try and get drafted and get a hefty contract and move forward from there. I mean, this is just. We it's been everything under the sun. You used to be able to go from high school, then you had to go to college for a year, and now it's you can go to the G League or go overseas, and as soon as you do that, like in the case of the Ball family, if you go straight overseas, then you can go in the draft. If you go to the G League for a year, you can go to the draft. Just just what your thoughts are as a student athlete about the current state of affairs with how you can kind of just circumnavigate the system and not have to go to college anymore uh yeah it's definitely something that's rising and i think it's gaining uh relevance especially after this move but i also think that you know college is a necessity for athletes no matter what no matter how fast you want to get to the nba i think that college is something that everyone needs to experience no matter how even if you're one and done just a year of that what to to get your schoolwork done, get get that on the right path because basketball is not always going to be there. I just think that it's something you have to do almost as a as a student, not just an athlete. But you know, if if guys want to just play in the NBA and feel like they can have a long career and make money in that, I see why why that's a reason to go overseas and such. But I also don't agree with it because it's just something that that won't isn't guaranteed in life and. You know, you want to go to college and make some make some relationships with teammates and coaches and students there, and it's just a once in a lifetime opportunity. Were you? I mean, bring me into your your first reaction when that happened, that you found out about Darius Baisley, because it was this crazy kind of roller coaster of Syracuse fans are going to go go to their TVs and, and watch the McDonald's All American game and see this future player and see everything he's capable of and get really, really excited. And then it seemingly felt like 15 minutes after people got excited about what Syracuse was getting, he had put out a message and said, you know what, I'm going to the G League. I'm I'm becoming a pro right now. I mean, that it was a very sharp turn of events in a very short amount of time. 
Yeah, you know, I just couldn't believe it. I've never really seen anything like that as a fan and a future player at Syracuse, future teammate of mine. And I was just very, just couldn't believe it at first. I told I told my coaches, this is this can't be real. And then I just couldn't believe it. I talked to my dad about it. He's never, he said it's one of the craziest things he's seen. He's never seen something like that before. And, you know, it's just something you got to overcome and, you can't be down on it for forever. You just gotta think about it for a while and then get over it and on to the next part and just focus on what we have now and think about the future and what we can do next year because we're not gonna let this affect our year at all. We're just gonna let it motivate us and still have, we still have the same goals as we did with him. Yeah, you know, and, and and to move forward from this, when you said you have a conversation with your dad and and uh, Coach Beheim says, you know, listen, son, I've never. I've never experienced anything like this. This is new to me. I mean, your dad's been coaching for 42 years. That has to be a pretty profound statement to hear him say. Yeah, it definitely is. I mean, this is a, I mean, this is a first for anything to see a kid go to the G League. So, obviously, anyone's going to be shocked by this. But, you know, not a, he hasn't really – not a lot of things like this has really happened to him in his career. And, you know, it's something new for him, definitely, even – though he's been coaching for 40 plus years it's just crazy to see and you know it's something you just gotta forget about and just move on so in moving on you have Jalen Carey you have Elijah Hughes Jalen and yourself are coming in at the same time what's your conversation post all of this post the Baisley stuff what have you talked to Jalen Carey about and and I would I, I would assume that you guys have you know kind of banded together even a little bit closer and said, you know what, you know, we it's okay, we lost a guy, but we got some work to do. Yeah, we both know. Obviously, just coming in next year, we got a lot of got a lot of prove to people, and just him leaving, kind of going somewhere else, just even motivates us even more. Like he said in the tweet, I know that it's just fuel for him, and obviously it's gonna be fuel for me, fuel for Elijah, and we're just ready to get there and and work and just prove people wrong and show what we can do. To see what this team accomplished with half of what it's going to have next year as far as just bodies, what you can say about, I mean, he's your father, he's going to be your coach, and he's you know been a coach and a father throughout your whole life. Did he impress you this past season with what he was able to do with such a short bench, multiple injuries, and guys leaving the program right before the season and during the season? Yeah, I mean, he always is – I know how great of a coach he is, and I'm not surprised really by the year we have because people expect it every year from him, and it's just the pressure, and it's just uh, expecting great things out of him because he's a great coach, and he, and this is just something else that he shows that why he's a great coach and why he's a Hall of Famer and just doing what he did. I don't think there are very few coaches that could do that, if any, besides him. He just he knows how to coach, and he really knows how to run that 2-3 zone, and He's just shown how great of a defensive coach he is and also how great of a overall coach he is. We know that Elijah Hughes can be a jack-of-all-trades to some sorts, and you can as well. Where do you, where are you envisioning, envisioning yourself coming in? Is it at that shooting guard position? Is it small forward? Where are you seeing yourself right now? Uh, right now, I see myself at the shooting guard. That's where I played played these last couple of years and that's where I'm most comfortable at so the top of the zone 
and just coming off screens looking for my shot and being an Andy Rowlands type of player. And it's funny you said that before I let you go. Speaking here with Buddy Bayheim, some one of the fans was talking to me yesterday and said, you know, I, I see him. I, I see Andy Routon. So, you know, he's like, I, I see that that style of play and that, that type of player, and then you just bring it up here yourself this morning. Go a little bit deeper into that. I mean, this is a guy who was known as a three-point shooter. Not a lot of people expected anything else, and then he went out and played hell of a good defense and showed that he was a versatile player that could do a lot of different things, and he's had longevity as a professional after Syracuse. So, you know, bring me into why you compared yourself, just like the fans have, to Andy Routens. Uh, just watching Andy growing up and watching him, like, right now in pros and watching his highlights I've been watching lately, just seeing how we both come off screens and get that, get that quick release and are ready to shoot always, and how we can also get to the rim, like you said, is something that make other plays make plays for people is something I've been working on as a player and that's what I really improved on this year so I think that a lot of people don't think that I can get to the rim and do other stuff they just think I'm a shooter but I know that I can do much more than that I'm a versatile player so that's why I think I'm more like Andy we both have the height and also I've been working on my zone on my defense and just getting ready to zone and some strategic stuff and spots I need to be in there and how I can make some steals and make some defensive plays. So I want to do a little bit of everything when I'm there, not just shoot threes. And, you know, you bring up the obviously expanding your game and getting better at your game, buddy. When you look at the game itself and, and just where you're at at this point, uh, coming from Brewster Academy, we talked as you were going into, like literally moving into Brewster, how did they make you a better player? And, and what can you say you did there to show that you were more versatile than just a three-point shooter? Um, just being here this year has really helped. I mean, I think it was the best best possible opportunity for me to get better. I kind of went anywhere else and got the um, exposure and competition. I got daily here playing against eight or nine high Division One players, ACC, Big Ten, Pac-12 players, and learning from them and learning what I need to do and what I can do to make plays and get easy buckets just from playing in open gyms, getting to the rim and you know, even the guys are surprised with how much better I've gotten and getting to the rim and attacking them. And, you know, and during the season, I shot re- I shot well. And when I wasn't shooting well, I, I realized I need to do other things, like get to the rim and do stuff, make plays for my teammates. And just that learning experience and, and uh, struggling a little, but then figuring out ways that I can do other things really helped me so I know what to do next year and I'm prepared and just used to the to the competition and the style of play already. That coming from Buddy Bayheim, Syracuse incoming 2018 with Jalen Carey. Buddy, as always, I appreciate you taking some time and appreciate everything that, uh, that you've said here on the show and, and being open and honest about the situation and, and the ebb and flow of it all. And definitely, I, I know fans are very much looking forward to what you're going to be out there on the court coming up very soon, and I know they're excited about it. So thanks for your time. Yeah, appreciate it. Anytime. All right, man. I'll talk to you soon. All right. See you. This is a wake-up call. Fast break. This is Jimmer Sikowski, owner-operator of Chick-fil-A Cicero, 7916 Brewerton Road in Cicero, right in front of the Home Depot. I had a deep feeling that God wanted me to do something bigger with my life and to help people, help others. I kept putting Chick-fil-A in my life, and I realized as I was going through the franchise selection process that uh, 
positively impacting the lives of others is really core to what we do here at Chick-fil-A. First of all, it starts with the food. The food is brought in fresh daily. You know, we bring in local produce. We prepare to order in the kitchen. We hand bread our chicken. We hand spin our milkshakes. It's, it's great food. It doesn't taste like fast food. I, I think the second thing is, is the way people feel when they come in a Chick-fil-A restaurant. It's different. We, we try to treat people with intentional kindness here which is very different and deeper than good customer service. And so I think it feels remarkable for most people to come in a Chick-fil-A restaurant. And then lastly, the impact that we try to have in the community is very different. It's a big part of the expectation of every operator of a Chick-fil-A restaurant is that they're actively engaged in their community, they're a leader in the community, and they're, they're making a difference. When they realize that what we're striving to do is to shine a little light in their life, that's a very, very different experience uh, than you will have at any other quick service restaurant. And it's that remarkable experience that I think people will emotionally connect with. Hi, this is Domenico Vitali, owner of Giovanni's Formalware, where you look great and feel even better with our renowned tailoring and alteration services on any suit or any tuxedo from anywhere. Call 315-455-8729. That's 315-455-8729. Stop in locally on Route 11 in North Syracuse next to the Ponderosa Plaza where you can choose your style, get fitted, and tailored, all at Giovanni's Formalware. I'm George Townsend of Honda City with some good advice when buying a new car. The true cost of owning a new car is determined by the appraised value when you trade it. No vehicle appraises higher than a Honda. Next, look for low APRs and deep discounts. You also want low maintenance costs and great fuel economy. That's why my advice to you is to buy a new Honda. Looking pre-owned, visit our Honda Certified Used Car Center. Honda City, 7140 Henry Clay Boulevard, Liverpool, or hondacity-cny.com. It would be a pity if you don't shop at Honda City. For all of us that have always wanted our favorite restaurant to come to us, it's now a reality in Central New York with It's a Utica Thing, with Utica Pizza Company bringing their wonderful recipes that they've handed down through generations to you, to your events, to your business, to your home. It's a Utica Thing, proudly bringing Utica Pizza Company on wheels to your location. Call 315-738-8946. That's 315-738-8946 to bring Utica Pizza Company to your doorstep with It's a Utica Thing. Welcome back here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on wakeupcalldt.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on mixlr.com backslash wakeupcalldt. I want to thank Buddy Bayheim for being a part of the show, speaking on his future teammates on their run to the Sweet 16 this year. His thoughts on what O'Shea Brissett can be to the team on what Tyus Battle can be if Tyus Battle decides to stay with Syracuse, which my inklings right now in this moment are that he will. And going from there to his thoughts on Darius Baisley's departure and how Jalen Carey, Darius Baisley, and himself are supposed to be coming in as true freshmen together in the incoming class of 2018. Now it's him and Jalen. Just what he took away from that, if he had ever experienced that before. And some thoughts on his father and 
42-year head coach of Syracuse, Jim Beheim, who is officially going into now his 43rd year of being a head coach at Syracuse with the 2018-19 season on the distant, but still within this year, horizon. So thank you to Buddy Beheim for being a part of the show. Coming up here in just a couple minutes, we will have Alan Griffin of the Syracuse Orange. He'll be joining me, former guard on the team, who is the assistant coach for Syracuse coming off of his first season back with Syracuse. He was a grad assistant, and then he moved on, moved forward, ended up at Dayton, faced Syracuse a couple times while he was at the University of Dayton as an assistant coach, and then ironically faced Syracuse while he was on Dayton staff, and then the irony comes with what happened after. So he's on Dayton, used to play for Syracuse. He goes up against Jim Beheim and company, then him and Jim Beheim and company all together again, band back together. Syracuse goes to the University of Dayton, where he used to coach at as an assistant, and they win their game together against Arizona State. So they were together, then they were apart, and then when they came back together, they went to Dayton, ironically, and won a game in Dayton in the first four of the NCAA tournament this year, which propelled Syracuse into the round of 64, and Syracuse eventually propelled themselves into the Sweet 16. So, just kind of a a cool little note there on Alan Griffin and his connection to Dayton and how that all kind of, how sports just always seems to find a way to write some really interesting, cool storylines to show that everybody's pretty much always connected. So, speaking of being connected, he will connect with us in just a couple moments here. He'll be on the live line here on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on WakeUpCallDT.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on MixLR.com backslash WakeUpCallDT. He will be here with us live. Alan Griffin speaking on the team this season on the opportunities that players have to not have to go to college anymore. You know, there was the, you can go straight from high school, and then the NBA changed it and said you have to go to college for a year, but there's the loophole of the G League and the loophole of playing overseas. You're 18, you play overseas for a year, you play in the G League for a year, and once that year's up, your amateur status is gone, you are at least 18 years old, you can enter into the draft for the NBA and get drafted and never have to go to college. So, we're going to talk about that and discuss that since it affected Syracuse with Darius Baisley, who was his recruit. And we will talk about what's coming up from here this season and just basketball in general. That's coming up right after this fast break. We'll be joined by Alan Griffin of Syracuse. This is a wake-up call fast break. Utica Pizza Company spells family. Your family. My family. Their family. The recipes that they have shared with each other throughout the years and have now been so gracious to share them with us. I can sit here and talk with you about all the great things that are on the menu, but we'd be here forever. So let me say this Utica Pizza Company is second to none. And now you can bring it home with you and you can dine in in the restaurant. UticaPizzaCompany.com will give you all the information that you need. And let me say, these Utica Greens, they're the best. Utica Pizza Company. Call them and place your order at 315-214-3060. That's 315-214-3060. Families break bread at Utica Pizza Company. 
Gear up with the real deal at Drysig Apparel. Creating what people are going to see and learn about you before they even meet you. Gear up for what you need for your team, business, or event. To look professional, look good, and feel good, outfit yourself at DrysigApparel.com. That's D-R-E-I-S-S-I-G Apparel.com. The only place to gear up with the real deal. What's the universal language of a fan? Clapping your hands. With Fan Hands, the ultimate sports fan accessory, find your team color, slip them on, and start cheering on your favorite team with 11 different colors always in stock on FanHands.com, where you'll find the ultimate sports fan accessory. Real fans wear Fan Hands. Welcome back here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on WakeUpCallDT.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on MixLR.com backslash WakeUpCallDT. We're live with you every Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time, featuring all different ways to listen into the show on any device, straight from the live stream on MixLR.com backslash WakeUpCallDT. You can pick us up on iTunes and the Archive After, as well as Podbean, TuneIn, Player FM, and so on and so forth. With that being said, live on the line, no stranger to the show, somebody I always appreciate speaking with, and that is Alan Griffin, who is coming off of his first season back at Syracuse as, as, a, as an official assistant coach on the team, and we're happy to have him here. So, Alan, first and foremost, how you doing today? Hey, I'm doing great, doing great. Uh, happy to be on. All right, and, and, and Alan, you know, when we look at this, I want to start with this year's team because you and I have, have discussed this a lot and just kind of what this team has done. And, and I said to you and, and Adrian after one of the games, I said, you guys are playing with five and a half. And you kind of looked down and you thought about it and you're like, yeah, that's pretty accurate because Barama's not been 100% and Matt Moyer wasn't out there in every game. Obviously, Howard Washington got hurt. Marek had to move into the starting lineup. So, you know, you guys made it to the Sweet 16 with five and a half, six guys. Just what you can say about this run and if this parallels any run that you've ever seen a team make that you've been a part of either as a coach or as a player. Yeah, you know, a lot of the credit has to go to the guys because they were out there giving it their all for, you know, the time that they were out there for. You know, most a lot of them playing over 35 minutes a game, uh, uh, and some, you know, with Tyson and Frank being, you know, over 40. So a lot of it, a lot of the credit has to go to them because they played their tails off. They had the uh, never quitting mentality. Um, and it just made it, you know, well worth the season. It was an unbelievable season for us. Uh, one of the best seasons that I've been a part of uh, in my coaching career. So it was it was uh, very, very good for me to, and I'm happy to be in a part of, you know what we what took place this year, and when you when you look at you know what took place this year and, and what the team was able to accomplish, I brought it up right before you came on. Is that you know sports and irony seem to be married together? And you were at Dayton as an assistant coach. You went up against Syracuse a couple times, and then you come back to Syracuse, and the road to the Sweet Sixteen takes you through Dayton, back to the arena, back to familiar digs. Just what. That was like for you to make this kind of, you know, you went from Dayton, from Syracuse, then eventually to Dayton, then back to Syracuse, and then with Syracuse went back to Dayton. I, I could take you one further. You know, the last time I faced the Michigan State 
team was when I played, and we lost to them in the Sweet 16 in, uh, the, in the Palace of Auburn Hills. So uh, we could just keep going with so many uh, uh, familiar things, you know, that took place this year, especially in terms of the tournament. But getting back to Dayton, uh, it was unbelievable just to get back to see a lot of familiar faces. And the one thing I would say, they do it right there just off the strength of the reason why they want to have the final, the first four there every year is just because they do it right. Um, it's an unbelievable experience. Uh, I played in the first four before at Dayton with our Dayton team. Um, and uh, and it, it was a great experience. So, you know, even so, you know, now uh, going back there, playing in the first four with Syracuse, uh, again, it was an unbelievable experience. It was, it was well put together. Uh, great teams there, you know, playing against the Arizona State team that was um, that had some really good wins and, and, and a really good coach, Bobby Hurley. It was, it was an unbelievable experience uh, just to uh, get that win there at Dayton and then to move on to Detroit. And when you look at, you know, what this team was able to do, like you said, you give a lot of credit to the players. You came onto this staff this year. Last season, there were five main scorers you know, for the top five scorers, so to speak, with Tyus Battle, John Gillen, Andrew White the third, Tyler Lydon, and Tor- Torian Thompson. All of those guys left except for Tyus Battle. So when you came onto this team, you know, obviously there's a lot of pressure on Tyus to score, but to speak on what happened around him, because he didn't have Thompson and Lydon and Gillen and White, so Frank stepped up, O'Shea stepped up, Marek stepped up, you know, Pascal had some moments underneath. Barama had a game where he played out of his mind at Pittsburgh when his body wasn't 100%. Just what you could say about how the team around Tyus, because Frank told me at the beginning of the season, he said, we know we're going to run through Tyus, and we're okay with that. But there were so many other guys that stepped up at different times, and everybody at some point or another had their game. Marek had a big game. Barama had a big game. O'Shea was consistent. And Frank, you know, had a better offensive season than he had in the first two years combined. Well, yeah, I mean, um, the one thing you got to give Tyus a lot of credit because in great moments and great uh, seasons, um, there's unbelievable leadership. And um, that's what Tyus uh, did for us. He gave us a lot of, you know, great leadership. You know, when, when times got tough, we could look to him and, you know, Hit or miss, he was there to taking a shot, missing a shot, you know, putting us in position to having a shot to win as many games as we won this year. Uh, and, and, and that's a testament to him and, and, and the development that he, he has gotten since he got to college um, and, and got, to our, got to our program, excuse me. Um, but, yeah, you know, uh, with that leadership, you know, it gave some guys uh, uh, some, you know, some, um, how can I put this, uh, just gave some guys – you know, uh, something to kind of move forward on in, in, in terms, especially with Frank and, and Tyus. Um, uh, they got a great relationship. Uh, Frank, you know, had a somewhat of a down season last year, and, and Tyus uh, was there for him, and they were there for each other, and that, and that helped him. Uh, so it helped him move on. And then, obviously, you don't know what you're going to get from freshmen. Um, and, and O'Shea stepping up the way he did – was unbelievable, and it's a credit to him and Coach uh, Oltry for the, the work that they put in. Um, and then you got guys like Marat, you know, Marama uh, uh, and, and Pascal, you know, contributing when they can contribute. So it was just uh, all good all-around effort. I mean, and, and, and the leadership, you know, helped. Uh, and, and, and a lot of credit has to go to Ty. 
And speaking here with Alan Griffin, assistant coach and former player of Syracuse, when when you look at Tyus Battle, you know, as soon as the season ended, everybody freaked out. Oh my God, what's he going to do? You and I have spoken about this before. I told you that I don't go into locker rooms and say, hey, what are you doing now? Because it's disrespectful to the team and it's three minutes after a game that he wanted to win, obviously. And, and so did everybody. So, you know, for me with Tyus, it was more of a reflection on the team, a reflection on, on what they've accomplished and what this team could do. You know, the, the fan base is going to kind of be on pins and needles throughout this offseason here, worried that he will leave. But we've had a big discussion on this. I, at this moment in time, from what I know, I see him staying, but I always tell people it's fluid because he can go to the combine. It depends on what he gets there. What do people see? What do they say? How much has he improved? Where do they think he's going to go? This is a fluid thing that can change at any time. But second fold to that, Alan, you and I discussed how people need to be more respectful in these guys and understanding that this is their dream. This is their goal. This is what they wanted since they were a kid. And if this is the right time for them, then people have to, bare minimum, just respect that they're allowed to do what they want to do. Oh, definitely. Um, I'm a true believer in that. Um, and, and you can't, you know, what, what happens today is, is, is that, yeah, it's just the era that we live in now. That, you know, we have to adjust with the times. Uh, the times of uh, a fan base falling in love uh, with uh particular teams is fading away just because of, you know, kids are, um, you know, with social media and everything, uh, moving faster and faster and faster to living out dreams. Since they picked up a basketball at the age of one or or two, uh, they want to play in the NBA. And uh, some guys uh, see opportunities. Now, uh, some guys got to be smart about it and, 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 and understand that, um, uh, what the NBA is doing too now, especially with you know the development of the G League, and um, it, it's a little different time then too because you got first rounders uh, uh, playing whole seasons in the G League. So like, um, so you, it, it's a happy medium to it, uh, but I can understand and totally respect that. You know, if a kid feels that he's ready to become a professional. Who is who? Who am I to say no? You're not ready, or, or no, or anybody to tell them that they're not ready. Uh, uh, is their preference? Um, is their lives? Uh, uh, and, and is a decision that you know at the end of the day, ultimately they have to live with. That's just like them choosing to go to college out of high school. Um, you know, they have to make the decision on what college they want to attend, what best fits them. Uh, so it's the, it's the same thing. So uh, again, like you know, I, I respect it. Uh, and the one thing I would say is, is you know, if Tyus decides to to uh, uh, test the water, I mean, I'm, I'm happy for him. Uh, Tyus has been, you know, since I stepped on campus, unbelievable young man. Uh, uh, works hard, does a good job in school, very respectful in the community. You, you never hear about him being a, a bad person. Never heard about him being a bad person. His dad did an excellent job, his parents, excuse me, did an excellent job in raising him. Uh, so I'm, I'm more, I'm happy for him. I want him to, I want him to live out his dreams. That's what we're here for. That's what we do. That's what we're supposed to do. I'm, I'm a parent first and foremost. So like, I want to help my kids live out their dreams. So I'm, I'm, you know, I have a responsibility to help other 
you know, people's kids uh, live out their dreams. So I'm, I'm okay with it. That coming from Alan Griffin, assistant coach and former player for Syracuse. And like you said, being okay with decisions that people make. Uh, you put out a post on March 30th that said, I'm wishing Darius Baisley and his family nothing but the best. Really good kid and family. And, you know, obviously this is a guy you recruited. This is, you know, when you came into Syracuse, went heavy on him. And you and I had, you know, obviously known that there was a lot of talent with him and his potential coming in. And after everything that happened, fans get really excited. They watch the McDonald's All-American game. They're like, oh, my God, this is who we're going to get. This is what he did in 17 minutes of play. And then seemingly five minutes later, he said, thanks, Syracuse, but I'm heading to the G League and I'm going to forego my amateur status. You could have said anything under the sun. You said, I'm wishing him the best. And he has a great fan. He has a really good family and he's a good kid. So number one, I commend you for that. And we've spoken about that. Number two, just what you can say about the situation with Darius Baisley. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I meant it, you know, that's first and foremost, I meant it. I want him to, uh, again, uh, be the absolute best and, and want the absolute best for himself. And, 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 and when I recruited him, like I recruited him, uh, we recruited him, excuse me. We recruited him as, as a kid that could come in and, and, and help our team and, 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 and be a very talented kid around really good players. Um, you know, so, you know, with, with Darius and his mama, I met them. I'm very fortunate to have the situation where I met them because they're, they're really nice people. Darius is a really good kid uh, uh, that loves the game of basketball. When I say loves it, has a passion for it, he loves it. He That's all he thinks about. Uh, and, and, and I was happy to be around him to, to kind of feel his passion. And, 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 it, and it helped me. And it's going to help me later on in my, in my career here. Uh, and coaching, um, you know, and I, I, yeah, I could have said anything under the sun, but I truly said what I really felt and, and what I meant. Um, I, I wish him nothing but the best, him and his family. And again, it's a decision to move him a step closer to his dream. Uh, and, and it was, it, it, and I can't, why would I say anything bad about that? Just because he didn't come to Syracuse? You know what? We have to move on. I mean, that's what we get paid to do. That's what we in this business to do. We have to recruit, and we have to find somebody else. <laughs> you know, it's just it's just it's just that simple. But, but it's not. You know, it's not. I'm not not being like. You know, not having a heart in this. No, I put my heart and soul in this. And, and yes, and and, and it's a, it gets emotional at times, and it gets hard. But you know what? At the end of the day, uh, it's uh, it's the business. Um, and 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 again. I can't be more excited and more happy for him and his family. Did you get an opportunity once he made this decision or before he made the decision? Did you get to talk with him at all? Yeah, I, I, I talked to him. I talked to everybody in this camp. Uh, just me and mom is playing phone tag. Uh, she got a lot on her plate in terms of work. Um, and then, you know, his brothers and sisters. So uh, I talked to Darius and I wished him well. Um, you know, I, I you know, the, the question I asked was, what was your decision? Why, why, how'd you come up with this decision? And basically he told me, you know, for verbatim, um, it was, it's the best decision I felt is best for me uh, at this particular moment uh, and for my family. And, and I couldn't say anything. Like, what I'm going to say? No, you need to come to Syracuse. This is, this, I mean, that's not, that's not how, that's not being responsible. Being responsible is, 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 is okay, you know, um, 
just uh, respecting, you know, his wishes and, 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 you know, helping him move on and, and making the transition. Um, and that's it. You know, I don't, I don't want him to feel any regret because I don't feel regret recruiting him or going through the process with him. Uh, it, it, again, it's a learning experience. And, you know, hopefully we, we use our time together as a learning experience as well. And when he, you know, when he says to you, you know, I think that this is the best decision for me. Like you said, I can't, I can't stand in his way. What can you say about his character and his personality? You know, what, because, because people want to attack his character. They want to attack that he doesn't respect Syracuse and, and this and that. What can you say about his character and how he spoke to you? And, and if you feel that maybe people got it wrong and, and that he is a respectful kid. He's a, he's a respectful kid. Um, the thing that, you know, in, in, in the conversation, I knew something was coming. It was because, you know, two or three times he, he muffled under his breath, man, this is going to be hard. This is going to be hard. And I was like, and then I caught it the third time, and I'm like, Darius, like, what are you t- what's going to be hard? You know, you just finished the McDonald's All-American game. Like, a lot of people would love to be in your shoes. And, and then he, you know, explained the decisions that they made. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I just think that, you know, if you don't know them, like, people can make, <clears throat> they, they're going to make stuff up just because, again, uh, emotions are attached uh, to to a lot of stuff that we do in this business. And the, the thing about it is, is that what we have to realize is part of it. And, and it's sad to say, but the majority of it is a business. Um, it's, it's a business, uh, and, and a lot of business decisions are being made uh and we, we have to respect that, you know. I mean, it, it is what it is. <laughs> and you and you get that from Alan Griffin here, assistant coach, former Syracuse player. And it is, you know. I mean, a lot of, you know, emotions run high, but you got to know him and spend time with him. And, and like you said, you know, after this, you got to go on to the next one. So, you know, at, at this point with commitments all over the country – what you know? What is kind of the mindset? Because as I look at paper right now, if Tyus is to stay, there's going to be ten guys on the team as of right now, and there's going to be depth at every position. So is this like a grad transfer? Let's try and get somebody in right away, or do you still look at true freshmen and say who's out there, or maybe wavery on their commitment? I mean, kind of what's what's the thought process now that you have a scholarship that you know is open again? Well, take your time. Um... Don't rush into anything, uh, you know, figure it out. Uh, that's I think that's the mentality. I, you know, I, I don't know. You know, coach hasn't expressed to any of us, especially not to me, uh, what's next. You know, like like we need to do something right away. Because, no, it, it was never – it's never been that. Uh, coach uh, uh, is still at the Final Four. It's probably traveling back now. So we, we haven't really sat down as a staff to uh, kind of figure some stuff out. Uh, to move forward in terms of what we want to do next. But, um, you know, like I, I've said this on on newspapers. I've said this to uh, uh, people on ESPN radio, you know, when I did an, an interview. Um, the thing I would say is this. We we at Syracuse for 40-some years had an X factor. Uh, regardless of what situation we've ever we've been in, uh, um, we've always had an X factor, good, bad, or indifferent. We had an X factor, and our X factor is Coach Beheim. Um, and 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 what Coach Beheim, he's seen it all, he's done it all, um, and and 
and and he understands uh, uh, the way this stuff works. So you know, we we still have that X factor. So we just got to make sure that we go out there and we got to continue to develop the guys that we do have. They can get better, and you know, these guys went to a Sweet Sixteen. If we develop them right, we do the right thing by them. This summer, with the freshmen that we do have coming in, uh, we can have a special team here. You know, with, with, with the guys that we have, we can't just harp on uh, Darius Daisy because he left and the potential that he brought to the team. No, we still got guys, you know, who could potentially be better than what they were last year that helped us get to a Sweet 16. So we, we just got to go out there and, and, and just continue to do what we do, uh, get together and, and figure this stuff out and, and kind of move forward. In closing, I have I have three questions for you, Alan. First one is Elijah Hughes. Adrian told me this guy can be all over the place. He can be very versatile to the team. He's going to get an opportunity to play after sitting out a season, transferring from East Carolina. He has three seasons of eligibility. What do you think about Elijah Hughes? Elijah Hughes is going to be a really good player for us because of his versatility. Um, first and foremost, um, I think he's a really talented scorer, uh, scorer on the offensive end. Uh, and he's continued to get better uh, shooting the ball. Uh, changed his body from when he first came here to now, and I think it's going to continue to get better, especially with the uh, offseason. Um, and it gives us a guy who's played college basketball, who's felt it on the floor before. He's not like a true freshman, so he can hit the ground running, you know, faster, you know, than your average freshman. You know, regardless of how talented a freshman is, they, you know, hitting the ground running, uh, they're going to, have their bumps and bruises because it's a different game from what they're coming from. So, you know, it gives us that right away. Um, uh, so, you know, and, and, and again, just with his versatility, he'll be able to help us and, you know, and coach can coach our team in a couple of different ways, defensively and offensively. Second to last, Barama Sidibe, just what you can say about him. He didn't get to play this whole season 100% healthy. Seemed like, you know, he was talking to me about surgery, seemed a little bit nervous about it as well, wants to make sure his body gets back. What can you say about Barama? Uh, Barama, we got to, you know, he has to, you know, run, get as healthy as possible. I think that's the, the first plan. Uh, I think the second plan is is uh, to add some muscle, to gain some weight. Uh, I think he can be a phenomenal player if he can gain some weight. Uh, and get get a lot stronger, uh, which he improved from when he started summer school all the way up to his last game in terms of phys- his physicalness. Like he he was there, uh, he couldn't be as physical as he wanted to be because obviously dealing with a lot of injuries. So uh, that's the the one thing about Barama. We got to make sure that he uh, uh, can get as healthy as possible first and foremost, and then um, you know obviously build some muscle and 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 and, and, and kind of go. And try, kind of move on. So, like you know, with Barama, he's uh, he's he could be a really good piece for us. Is is the surgery thing a definite from what he had spoken about? Pretty much, yeah. I, I, I think it's one thing that he, he would have had to do, and, and he has to do it. Um, and and uh, he'll he'll recover and be you know it'll get him close to one hundred percent as possible. And you know, obviously, his rehab and. Uh, and, 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 and all the stuff that he has to do this summer will get him to 100%. So um, we're just happy where Barama is right now. The one thing is, is what people notice and what people can see and take from what he did this season is that he's a warrior and he's going to do whatever it takes for the team to uh, to win. 
And the final question is a two-parter for you, Alan. It has to do with coaching staff. How amazing is Katie Kalinske as she moves forward? And what can you say you learned the most about Jim Beheim? So Katie first and then Jim. Uh, Katie, Katie's an unbelievable talent. Um, she's going to be really good wherever she ends up. I think she has a wealth of knowledge. I think she has a passion for coaching. Uh, I was happy that I got an opportunity to working with Katie. Um, you know, she was used to working with Mike Hopkins. So when, you know, and Mike is all over the place and Mike is crazy. <laughs> whereas to, with me, I'm a lot calmer. Um, I'm, you know, my voice, like you won't hear my voice as much. Uh, so she was kind of looking at me like I was strange. <laughs> uh, but, hey, hey, you know, getting back to Katie, Katie is going to be, uh, she's going to be a star in, in this business. Uh, she's hopefully wherever she lands is, is a good opportunity for her and they give her an opportunity to voice uh, her, her opinion because she, she has a very good opinion when it comes to, you know, coaching and and, and getting, getting guys better. So uh, I just wish Katie nothing but the best and, and uh, obviously her next move and uh, she's going to be a star. Uh, Coach Bayham uh, is a G. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to use that term, but, you know, he, um, a wealth of knowledge uh, and sitting in meetings. Sometimes the meeting is five minutes. Sometimes the meeting is an hour and five minutes. Um, it doesn't matter how long or short the meeting is. Uh, you, you One, you're going to get his honest opinion on things. Um, you're going uh, to learn a lot uh, because the thing is, is that, you may not see something before he's seen it three or four times before. Um, and, and what he takes from it and, um, and, you know, being around coach, um, what he did with this team was phenomenal. Uh, he never panicked. Um, he coached these guys as best as he could. Uh, and sometimes where, you know, as an assistant, you sit there and you be like, we should be, we should be doing this, this, and this. And it's totally opposite from what he's thinking that the team needs to be doing this, this, and this. And and that's the, the genius behind uh, uh, who he is. I think the community, Syracuse community, should be feel privileged to having uh, 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 someone like him still around. Because uh, I know I am. Um, I'm, I'm ecstatic. I'm happy. There's no other place that I'd rather be and to be here in Syracuse and working for coach. Uh, one of my dreams uh, when I decided to get into coaching was to come back and work for coach at Syracuse and uh, to live out this dream right now. Um, it, it's been an unbelievable experience and it's, it's continued to be an experience. And you said that, that Bayheim's a G. Is he is he the OG or is he just a G? He, he's, he's whatever G there is. The OG, <laughs> the G... Everything. <laughs> Fair enough. That, that coming from Alan Griffin here, and uh, and I think I think Alan, I think it's safe to say that Jim Beheim will be the first coach to ever coach at a hundred years old. I think that that's fair to say as well. Hey, hey, listen, you know what? As long as you keep me around, I hope he coaches to one hundred and five. <laughs> <laughs> That coming from Alan Griffin, Syracuse assistant coach and also a former player and always a part of the Syracuse family. Alan, I appreciate it. I know we had some time here on the show and that you you gave us some more, and and it's always a blessing. So I look forward to talking with you soon. I think you owe me lunch, so we'll have to do that. 
Would you say uh, you owe I, me lunch, right? No, I said I think you owe me lunch. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> but yeah. e- either way, we if we owe each other lunch, then we just figure it out when we get there, you know. So definitely. All right. Well, I look forward to talking with you soon, and and it's always good. So be good, and and obviously, God bless on the trail for recruiting, and and we'll be in touch. All right, thanks. All right, take care. That coming from Alan Gray. <laughs> I love how he switched that. Wait, 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 what? After you owe me lunch? What? <laughs> so, I didn't hear you. I heard lunch. I heard me. I heard you. It was you owe me, but not me owe you. But it's fine. But we'll figure it out. So, you know, I always, you know. It's funny how he says he's more mellow because he is. He's more mellow. He's more down to earth. More kind of like whisper talk sometimes. That different from Mike Hopkins, but at the same time, like he's got a sense of humor and he's got that, like he's got that funny side. So, and Mike, Mike obviously has that too. So I always appreciate Alan Griffin. He's a lot of fun. Love talking with him. So thank you to Alan for all that you've done and, and much appreciation for the work that you've put forward and, and for, you know, his, his openness on today's show to speak so clearly about Barama and about Tyus and about if guys move on and if they stay and Darius Baisley and giving us a background of that whole situation when people want to hate on Darius Baisley because he's leaving their team, but you don't really know the character, the person, the conversation. You know, it's one thing if he never called Alan, he never spoke with Alan, he just left. Alan found out and that was whatever, but it, it was more of a to know that they had a conversation, to know that Darius kept saying this is going to be hard for me to do, and to then talk through it once he made that decision, and to find peace, and to wish him well. You know, there's a lot more to the story than just he's not coming to Syracuse, and that's why I wanted to have Alan on the show to tell it, because I knew Alan would be honest about it, and I knew that he would shed some light on exactly what happened outside of the decision what happened and how he talked to Syracuse? What did he say? How did he handle himself? Did Alan get to talk to his family? Did he get to talk to Darius? What were they like? What did they say? How did they come across? All of that matters. So I want to thank Alan Griffin for being a part of the show today and shedding some light on the Darius Baisley situation, on Brahma Sidibe and surgery and and so much more, and, and, and on this team as a whole. We'll take a step aside for the final fast break of the show. When we come back, we'll do what we always do on a Tuesday. We'll wrap up the show with ingredients to success. We'll speak on how Villanova became the team that I thought they could be this year. Pretty awesome for the Wildcats. This is a wake-up call fast break. The Wildcat Sports Pub in Camillus, New York, is located on 3680 Milton Avenue in the Home Depot Plaza. It is your family-friendly sports bar and restaurant. Folks, some sports bars aren't family-friendly. Some family-friendly restaurants are not sports bars. The Wildcat Sports Pub in Camillus, New York, is proud to be both. It is that marriage that you've been looking for for years. The Wildcat Sports Pub is your home base for your sports bar and restaurant needs, games for the kids, indoor and outdoor activities, and enough things on the menu to come back every single week and get to try something new. They're open Sundays from noon to 8 p.m., Monday through Wednesday, 11 a.m. to 11 p.m., and Thursday through Saturday from 11 a.m. to midnight. For reservations and party information, call 315-487-2222 for the Wildcat Family-Friendly Sports Pub and Restaurant. 
This is Kira from Looking Glass Events, where we're always giving you a reason to celebrate. Whether you have a small business, large business, personal event, or wedding, we are available to plan and coordinate your dream event to life. Every detail, every step, Looking Glass Events is working with you all the way. Call us at 315-702-4653. That's 315-702-4653. Or contact us through our website, lgweddingsandevents.com. Looking Glass Events giving you a reason to celebrate. The Penn and Trophy Center on 111 East Willow Street in Syracuse, New York, has been making memories for Central New York for over 60 years. It has the trophies for your teams, and when you walk in there, it's so much more than just that. When you walk into the Penn and Trophy Center, you are immersed in the reality that anything can be customized, anything can be engraved, whether it's for your anniversary, your wedding, your bar mitzvah, your birthday party, whatever you want to do with that memory, that watch from grandpa, or that bracelet from mom, or that wedding ring that's been passed down through your family. If you want to get something engraved with a memory to last a lifetime, the Penn and Trophy Center, 111 East Willow Street in Syracuse, New York, where memories are made and where memories last a lifetime. Welcome back here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on wakeupcalldt.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on mixlr.com backslash Call. DT is that time, as it always is, every Tuesday at 10.50 a.m. Eastern Time. We do the Ingredients to Success, proudly brought to you by Utica Pizza Company. Ingredients to Success, just like their ingredients inside of their sauce, their numerous different pizzas, their chicken riggies, their vodka riggies, their... Utica Greens, their Philly steak sandwiches, whatever it may be, just like they have to find those ingredients that fit and give you the best flavor that they possibly can, are the same things that we need in life, the ingredients to success. So you look at ingredients at Utica Pizza Company and all of the different things on their menu, ingredients that were passed down from Phil Russo's grandmother to his mother, then to him. So you see those ingredients find success across generations and numerous different people coming in from all different backgrounds and walks of life, appreciating and enjoying the food. Those ingredients have bred success and the ingredients that we talk about each week also breed success, whatever we're discussing, whether it be something in life, something in, you know, chasing your dreams and following your dreams. If we're talking about a specific player or a specific team, they need ingredients to success just like Utica Pizza does and has had for years. And the ingredients to success for today's show have to do with the Villanova Wildcats. I said at the beginning of the season, during this campaign, I said as we were going throughout the season, still in the regular season, somebody came up to me and said, I think it was at one of the SU games. They said, Dan, who do you think has the best shot? Oh, I think I know who it was. I think it was uh, one of my one of my buddies from up in Toronto, one of the guys that I had met this year from up in Toronto. Let me see. I'm pretty sure it was, let me get the, let me get the name up here. I think it was Joe Sway that uh, he had asked me. He said, who do you think has the best opportunity of winning the national championship this year? What team do you think out of 351 Division One men's basketball schools has the best opportunity to win the NCAA championship? And I looked at him and I said, well, if I had to pick right now, in this moment, there's two teams. And I told them this during the regular season. I said, Virginia and Villanova. 
if I had to pick any two teams. Virginia went on to win the ACC regular season champion. Champ- they were the ACC regular season champion, the ACC tournament champion, and they were the number one overall seed in the country. Yes, they lost their first game. Yes, they're the first team to lose to a 16 seed ever in the history of the tournament, which is now one win for 16 seeds and 135 for one seeds in that matchup. But it's no longer a goose egg, and that's because of the amazing, amazing play of UMBC out of Baltimore, Maryland. So props to them. Think about what I said, though. The national champion is one of the two I chose, Villanova. The other team I chose won the ACC tournament, the ACC regular season, and was the number one overall seed in the tournament ahead of Villanova, Xavier, and Kansas. So even though Virginia lost, the two teams that I chose, one is the number one overall seed in the tournament, the other one won the national championship and is the only one left standing. So I would venture to say prediction equals reality in this situation. And yeah, when you predict something right, you want to talk about it. Now I'll tell you when I predict something wrong, and I'll tell you when I predict something that's that's right, that's accurate. It's a prediction at the end of the day. You try to do your research and do the best you can to putting together a proper analysis and ultimately a choice. And that's what we did. So Virginia and Villanova were the two teams I picked. I don't think I lost in either stretch of the imagination because of where everything ended up. I think that it was a win for me because of where Virginia ended up and because of where ultimately Villanova ended up. But I want to give Villanova credit for making me half right (laughs) in this tournament. And the ingredients to success of Villanova is, you know, simple. This team, think about when they lost their games this season, every game they lost this season before they got to the NCAA tournament, every single game they lost, every single one was to an unranked team. Every single one was to an unranked team. They lost at Butler when Butler was not ranked. They lost to St. John's at home in Philadelphia. They lost at Providence, and they lost at Creighton, which was in the CenturyLink Center in Omaha, which I got to go to for Syracuse's matchup with Duke. Now, in the in the Sweet 16. So, four losses, all the unranked teams, and how did Villanova respond? By winning the Big East Tournament Championship, which is very, very difficult to do, and winning the National Championship. Ingredients to success. Never let a loss get you down. Never let a loss take you out. Never let a loss change you from the things you're doing right. If you're doing something wrong, let it teach you. Wins teach you. Losses teach you. Learn from both. Ingredients to success. They lost two games in a span of three. They lost to St. John's, beat Butler, and lost at Providence. So when they faced Butler again, they defeated them after losing to them. But in a span of three games, they lost two. Coming down this stretch of the regular season inside of the Big East. Lost two of three. They responded by winning two, and then they lost one again. And then they went all the way through the Big East tournament. So think about what they done. They lost three games in a span of six games. They lost 50% of the time between their St. John's game at home and at Creighton. 50% of the time, they lost. They went 3-3 three and three and then went into the Big East Tournament, won the Big East Tournament, and won the NCAA Tournament Championship. 
That's how they responded to losing 50% of the time. That's how they responded to going 3-3 three and three down the stretch inside of their conference. By winning the conference tournament, making sure that they put themselves in a good position for the NCAA tournament, and then dictating the NCAA tournament. They're the only team to go all the way through and defeat teams by double digits. Kansas won three games by four points. Michigan won some games really close where they scored in the 50s, and then they won other games where they scored in the 90s. Loyola won their first three games by a combined four points. Villanova won every single round by double digits. They won against Radford, the 16 seed, by 25. They won over Alabama in the next round, the 9 seed, by 23. And Alabama was a big-time spoiler in the SEC tournament. They won over West Virginia by 12, the number 5 seed. They won over Texas Tech, the 3 seed, by 12 as well. Then they played Kansas, another number 1 seed in the Final Four, and beat Kansas handily by 16. Then they played Michigan, a three seed in the national championship, and defeated them by 17 points. Every single round, they won by double digits. Every single round. Kansas squeaks them out. Loyola squeaks them out. Michigan squeaks them out. Villanova took control, kept control, and ultimately ended Every one season except for their own is they're the last team standing. Ingredients to success. They played their game. Scoring 80 points. Scoring 87, 81, 90, 71, 95, and 79. That is who they are. Nobody dictated the place to them, to the pace to them. You play teams like Butler and Syracuse and this, that. They want to bring you down. They want to hold you down. I know that they're playing different teams or different this, different that. West Virginia, I mean, the Big 12 not really playing defense. But no matter who came up against them, they always looked like Villanova. Ingredients to success. What do people tell you all the time? No matter what anybody says about you and tells you to change this, change that, or change the other thing, if you love yourself and you love who you are, you be yourself. If you're not hurting anybody, you be yourself. It's one thing if you're hurting people and somebody says, hey, stop hurting people. But if you're being a good person, you're working your butt off, and people say, you don't deserve this, you don't deserve your dreams, you don't deserve the success, you don't deserve these aspirations, this, that, and the other, you don't listen and you continue to be yourself. No matter what Villanova had up against them, no matter who tried to dictate their pace, they never stopped being who they are. The number one team out of 351 NCAA Division I schools in men's basketball in points per game with 86.6. And they score 87, 81, 90, 71, 95, and 79. They did what they needed to do. People tried to dictate to them the pace of the game. They laughed. People tried to make them play their game. They stayed true to who they are. No matter what was in front of Villanova, Villanova stayed in front of the team they were playing. Ingredients to success. Villanova is not only a great sign for the Big East. It's not only a great sign for Villanova. It's not only a statement that Jay Wright is has never gone out of relevancy, but has somehow had a resurgence 
And with all the time that he spent, almost 20 seasons at Villanova, he was in the NCAA tournament every season except for one, but you kind of forgot about him a little bit. And it was like, okay, well, where's Jay Wright? And now everybody else has overtaken this. Now he's swung up and he has more championships than Tom Izzo, more championships than John Calipari, more championships than Bill Self, more championships than Jim Beheim. Jay Wright found a way to become relevant again in college basketball by staying the course, finding the players that they needed, doing what they needed to do, teaching how they needed to teach, not caring that they weren't a power, quote-unquote, power conference. Villanova, without Syracuse, without Louisville, without Notre Dame, without Pittsburgh, without Miami, without Virginia Tech, without Boston College, it's not the same Big East. But darn it if it isn't competitive. Creighton goes to the tournament. Butler goes to the tournament. Butler's been relevant since I was in 10th grade of high school. And now I'm 10 years out of college. So you think Butler's only been around for three years, seven years? They've been around for over a decade of success. So we look at Butler and that Villanova has to go through them. Villanova has to go through Providence. They're a tournament team. Villanova has to go through, you know, that's a team that can work their way into the tournament. Had a case to get in this year's tournament. Seton Hall, that's another team that you don't want to play. You look at Georgetown with Patrick Ewing and working on their resurgence. You look at Xavier, a number one seed this year. There's a lot of competition inside of the Big East for Villanova to get through even though they don't have the usual suspects of the old Big East. So if you ask me, ingredients to success, Villanova doesn't care what the Big East looks like. They stayed true to themselves, and they kept winning. The school stayed true to Jay Wright and didn't say, well, Jay, you know, you're doing good. You're getting to the tournament, but you're not getting us consistently to the Final Four. You're not doing this. You're not doing that. They could have given up on Jay Wright. They could have said, what have you done for me lately? They could have said getting into the tournament wasn't enough. They stayed true to him. And now he's won two championships in three years. With different players. Different guys taking the big time shot. Different teams, success continues. That's the coach. That's the system. That's the plan. That's the blueprint. When you can plug in different players and find success, those are your ingredients to success above everything. Because your players will change every year, if not every couple years. And Villanova gets guys to stay. But still, every two years, three years, four years, teams like Kentucky, Duke, every year, your team is going to change who is on your team. Your personnel will change. But your plan, your blueprint, your scheming, what you have set in place, your biggest ingredient to success. If you have a good coach, they will find a way to win despite insurmountable odds. Villanova, Jay Wright, continues to win. Jim Beheim, five and a half players this year, continues to win and go to the Sweet 16. This is one of the greatest runs that Jim Beheim has ever made in his life in 42 years. This is one of the greatest runs that Jim Beheim has ever led in his life at Syracuse in the last 42 seasons of coaching. And I'm putting it right up there with all the Final Fours that he's been to. Why? Because who thought that this team was going to do that. So ingredients to success, you need a good coach with a good blueprint that can plug and play student-athletes. And that is what Jay Wright did. They stayed true to themselves. 
No one dictated them the pace. No one told them how to live. No one told them how to play. And if they did, they didn't succeed. That should be a sign. That should be a, a beacon of hope for every man, woman, and child in this world. Look at Villanova. Team said, we got to do this to them. We got to do that to them. We got to take them out of this. We got to take them out of that. We got to take this guy out of the game. We got to do this. We got to do that. None of it succeeded. If you try to cut off a head, another two heads were formed. If you try to dictate the pace, Villanova told you, yeah, that's funny. They made their threes. They made their inside shots. And there were numerous times where the basket was wide open. They didn't take advantage of it. Villanova could have won this game by even more. The Wildcats have found a way to get back into the public eye, back into relevancy, and back atop the NCAA. Now, everybody next year is still going to talk about Michigan State and Kentucky and Duke and yada, 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 North Carolina, blah, 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 blah. But there's only one team that's won two championships in the last three seasons, and that is Villanova. And if you've never been out to a game in Philadelphia, you better bring your tushy out there and go see them play. I know that Syracuse fans might loathe Villanova, but you can't help but respect the heck out of them for the way that they played this year. They dictated the pace. They never let it dictate to them. Ingredients to success. Good coach, good blueprint, find the right players, stay the course, believe in yourselves, and shut off the outside noise. And what did Villanova get out of that? The highest honor in the country for college basketball. Not too shabby, huh? Pretty good. Pretty amazing. Congrats to Jay Wright and the Villanova Wildcats. And DiVincenzo. All the messages and all the things people are writing about Italians and putting up the Italian flag got me all got, got me all nostalgic. Got me all got me all teary-eyed being an Italian myself. So thank you for all those nice Italian comments because they make this Italian feel all warm and fuzzy inside. That'll do it for Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora today. We'll be back tomorrow and every Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time. You will find us tomorrow, which is Wednesday, April 4th, from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time, right here on MixLR.com backslash DT. In the meantime, if you want to read articles, watch videos, get the show archive, connect with all the beautiful, wonderful business partners that we have in central and upstate New York, it's all in one place. And if you want the RSS feed, the iTunes podcast, and the downloadable app powered by Podbean, as well as so much more, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and YouTube, all of it is on wakeupcalldt.com. And on Facebook, we're at wakeupcalldt. On Twitter, we're at calldt. And on Instagram, we're at wakeupcall underscore dt. God bless you. Have a great day. Always be good to one another and yourself. And remember that today is a blessing. Don't waste it. I'll talk with you tomorrow morning at 9 a.m.